sync. Ah, I love nailing it. It's like both said sync at the exact same time. Feels good. It feels good. So good. It's so good. <laughs> Uh, something movie boys. Hello everyone. Welcome to the. I, I liked that exchange, so I'm keeping that bit in. Um, welcome to the spin-off doctors. I am Jim Sterling, and I'm joined by lovely little movie boy over there, Conrad Zimmerman. Hello. Hello, Jim. How are you? I'm all right. I'm I'm doing okay. How How about yourself? How are you? God's Not sake. too shabby. I watched Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Yes. Yes. It it was. Um, even though I've never watched the film at the time, there was enough cultural osmosis going on with it, because it was a fairly big deal, that I um, still felt nostalgic watching it. It yeah. was uh, sort of that turn of the millennium kind of film, uh, where every single bit of music ever, especially in movies, always had that bit that goes, or some variation thereof. Um, there was certainly some of that in this film. Yep. Um, plenty of Fat Boy Slim, some Basement Jacks, if you're into that sort of thing. Nine so, Inch Nails was on the soundtrack. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, old Trent Reznor, who uh, he's been texting me lately. Actually, it's <laughs> it's really annoying. He sends me these weird text messages, um, asking me to carve him off a hunk of that BBQ at one point. I don't random stuff. Te- texting me Games of Thrones spoilers. For stuff that isn't even out yet. So, I don't know where he's getting his intel from. I don't know if Trent Reznor and George R.R. R. Martin hang out. Um, oh, he did just send me a text that said, uh, me and George R.R. R. totes hang out, bruh. <laughs> he must have a, a microphone set up here or a baby monitor or something. Anyway, um, Tomb Raider. That's the movie we watched. If, you've yeah. ne- if you're new to this show then you may not realise what it is we do here. Hello, you're very welcome. We watch films, um, mostly. We might do other, other things, because yeah, we've still got to keep that clause in for when we run out of films. Um, we mostly watch films based on video games, and then we talk about them. Uh, that, yeah, that's, 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 the, that's what we the do. That's the premise, yeah, that's really. The thing. It's in yeah. three parts. We first do a, a bit of intro, which leads into discussion about the game series. Or, you know, something that the game is, uh, that the film is based on. Then, Some connection of video games in our history with it. Yeah, like yeah. our history with it. Because this is about us. All right? Ultimately. Yeah, yeah that, it, it, it's called the spin-off, Doctors. That's us. Yeah, it's not about you. Yeah, we've got a PhD in movie boying. Do you? <laughs> no, you didn't go to movie boy school like us. Um that, yeah, so part two of the show is the longest bit. That's where Conrad uh, diligently writes down a summary of the, the movie that we've just watched. And I cut in um, with a few goofs and jibes and also great facts about the movie. I like I how we're explaining the entire premise <laughs> of this show as if we expect that the Tomb Raider episode <laughs> is going to suddenly draw in a huge <laughs> influx of new listeners to the program. You know, people are like, oh, wow, a conversation about the 2001 Tomb Raider movie. I I've been get looking it on for one shit. of those. <laughs> Oh, God, you asshole. I was, like, keeping my composure as best I could. Because halfway through, I don't know why I was doing it, but then it struck me like, this is hilarious that I am 
explaining the premise of the podcast. Like, how God knows how many Just episodes 18 in. 18 episodes yeah. in now, yeah. <laughs> 18 episodes in, it's time to explain what we do here. <laughs> but I was I was just about to talk about the um, uh, Jim's fact of the day. Oh, because um, I got it, it, this one had. I loads. expected there would be lots. Yeah, Amazon couldn't shut up about it. Uh, I watch these on Amazon uh, via Amazon Video, and I watch them in a web browser. So, <coughs> sorry, I'm too had something trapped in my throat. It's making my breathing in all wheezy. Um, I'm going to keep that in. Fuck it. Um, what was I saying? Amazon. Mm-hmm. Amazon pl- Amazon's video player plays the movie in a web browser, if you so choose. And if you mouse over it, you get facts about the actors and the music that's playing. And general trivia, continuity errors, goofs, they'll, they'll ruin the whole film for you if you want. Uh, yeah, they every scene had, like, one or two, sometimes three bits of information. Um, in order to make sure we could get through the summary and that the show would be watchable, uh, I limited myself to only the most important, interesting facts. This is... All right, so this is of critical importance to, to people who may not be... Who might be new to the show. Yeah, all those ones who want to join if, in on that. If, if <laughs> Carve me off a hunk of that Tomb Raider action. If, yeah. you're, if you're into... If you're new to the show, see, Jim warning us in advance how limiting he has been, how, how, what discretion he has applied to his selection of Amazon facts of the day, suggests that there are going to be a whole lot of them There's, in the thing. I mean, I would just say, like, I used maybe a quarter of what Amazon offered. Wow. Maybe. And that's me okay. being generous to what I have. Like, they... Everything. I have... Elected not to use continuity errors. There's quite a few of those. Um, I could point some out. Um, when, Dan- when Daniel Craig is naked and the woman sees her, uh, him, she's holding one towel in one scene and two towels in the next <sighs> car. Um, in the first fight against the robot, the tears and dust on Lara's clothes is shifting between scenes. Like I could talk about all that. I kept the continuity errors out. I only included two goofs, and the rest are, like, hardcore important facts. And by that, I mean I ignored all the really interesting important facts and went for the opposite. Amazon wants you to know a lot about John Voight, can't they? <laughs> And so I want you to know a lot about John Voight. Well, so, yeah, this is... Uh... The 2001 Tomb Raider movie. Now, I had seen this, I think, in theaters. I think I recall mm-hmm. seeing it because it was, uh, I, I really... You wanted to hear uh, U2's Elevation in a movie theater. I actually did not. <laughs> I did not. Uh, I was, I, like Angelina I like Jolie. Song. Yeah, that's all right. Um, Angelina Jolie, uh, what? <laughs> I don't know why I slurred it like I was drunk. Angelina Jolie. Um... I, I'm not on anything, by the way. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. I'm just in a f- fun mood today. Um, Angelina Jolie was a darling of cinema at the time. She was absolutely. It was like late '90s, early 2000s. Like she was uh, it. She, yeah, according to Amazon, 
this is not one of the facts I included, but I remembered it. Um, you know, she was. It was around this time she was doing uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, she'd already done Girl Interrupted, and yeah. that really catapulted her. And she was in some other movie, I think, that same year that uh, yeah. was also a big success. There was Mr. and Mrs. Smith that that got her to be the third woman to join the twenty. I think it was like the twenty million dollar club wow. of people who can dictate that much for money. The only other two women being Julia Roberts and Cameron Diaz. So there you go. There you go. Speaking of Cameron Diaz, I, there is a great Amazon uh, Jim movie fact of the day coming up later. <laughs> but I've got to wait for the appropriate moment. Sure, sure. Because I can only say these when Amazon says them, because otherwise they'll have no meaning. Um, so yeah. Uh, anyway, so, and, but but I mean, it was it was kind of interesting that yeah. she took this role, mm-hmm. like because she really could command a ridiculous amount of money and be in pretty much anything that she wanted to, and then Tomb Raider comes along and she does it. I think it speaks to the the cultural significance that Tomb Raider had in the nineties. Um, which it was, was still a there very in, big deal. Yeah, yeah. by two thousand one, uh, it was still there. Uh, her biggest heyday was, you know, late 90s. Yeah, 97 um, to, yeah. you know, PlayStation 99, era. 2000. She was a pop culture symbol, um, almost as recognizable, uh, temporarily perhaps as recognizable as Mario. Yeah, uh, you that's know, she, probably not unreasonable. She wasn't just a video game character. She was a... a a pop culture icon, and even to this day, um, even though uh, she's kind of just, as video game uh, iconography itself has just become way more part of mainstream pop culture, uh, she's not become, she's not remained as significant, but there are still plenty of people who don't know video games who could easily like look at a picture of her and say, that's Lara Croft. I, st- I have, I've seen pornography produced recently. That used the character by you know a major pornography studio, so you know there's still there's still a huge market for that. Right, obviously, if 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 they're still in the porn market, they're still recognizable by mainstream society. Absolutely, that's just how that goes. Um, It's 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 basically Lara Croft and Pokemon, by the way. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, there is actually (laughs) um, I I stumbled upon just yesterday a Pokemon Go themed uh, porno film that I've not yet watched but I am, I've uh, seen a few I'm looking forward crop to up. it yeah yeah not that I spend that much time like watching porn the porn industry makes me curious mm-hmm. which is, that sounds even sadder it kind of yeah like you you you're there purely for the analytics yeah <laughs> I'm not I'm there to masturbate at the <laughs> a lot like 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 a lot though um so anyway uh, speaking of masturbational material, uh, that tomb, yeah, Tomb Raider was a huge, huge, huge part of the landscape, and I, I loved the demo. I played the hell out of that first Tomb Raider demo mm-hmm. with the you know the cave and the the I think it was a leopard or something, and you were it was shooting an animal. it. It was some some cat, some, some big cat, fucking animal, and it, I mean it was. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. really, really incredible. And my only I, memory of, of the original runs, I'm, I'm a lot more familiar with the, the, the later ones. Um, and of course, the, the reboot that, that Square Enix put out 
in the past few years. Um, but my only major memory of the first games was the mansion, which was kind of famous in and of itself, uh, the kind of tutorial mansion area mm-hmm. where you could just, you know, run around the grounds and practice all the moves and everything and lock the old butler in the fridge, which is what everyone at my school did. And that was the, the best bit. And we'd laugh because he was old. We were children, okay? Sure. So we were allowed to be ageist. Because um, he'd wobble with his little train. <laughs> Lock him in the fridge. <laughs> that, that's, that's my entire history with the Tomb Raider series. <laughs> Is it really? Lock him in the fridge. Lock him in the fridge. Lock him in the yeah, fridge. I think I, I think I did ultimately wind up playing through... Uh, a couple of the PlayStation ones, mm-hmm. um, and then when uh, Crystal Dynamics did the, I think Tomb Raider Legend was basically a remake of the first one or something like that. I played that all the way through, and I quite like that. Yeah, that kind, that era I'm more familiar with, but even then, only more recently, because mm-hmm. the that whole like Crystal Dy- Dynamics uh, and moving on to Idos and that. Their games never spoke to me at the time. It was only in recent years that I went back and started giving more of a shit about Hitman and Tomb Raider and uh, um, even Deus Ex. Uh, only very recent history. I kind of missed out on them at the time and then went back and, and came to appreciate them more. I think that it's... The thing about Tomb Raider that's interesting is that I, it's the first one of these climb shit games I remember. We have so many climb shit games. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Tomb Raider went on to inspire Uncharted, and Uncharted itself went on well, to inspire a bunch. And and, and Prince of Persia Prince Sands of, Persia, of Time yeah. is, is, I mean, the, the parallels you can draw there are obvious. Yeah, yeah it, it's... It was the first 3D platform game that went for realism. And and it did it well enough that you weren't bothered yeah. by not being realistic. Within yeah, it's, I mean it was realism within reason. Yeah. I mean yeah. statues for, for, don't come to life in real life. No, well uh, and, and and for the 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 technology of the time, it was pushing boundaries and and it made these are the first sorts of games that made 3D Pers- you know, 3D in games viable for me, and I'm you know I'm talking like rendered characters in 3D environments. Yeah, because yeah. You know, I I grew up on all the 2D shit, and that it took me a long time to make the leap into 3D gaming because I didn't like the way it looked necessarily. I I didn't think the technology was where it needed to be to do this stuff really well. And Tomb Raider was one of the first examples of a game to come along where I really got into it. Um, mm-hmm. Like Zelda, Ocarina of Time, for a lot of people, I think was that, or or if not that, certainly Mario sixty four. But I I didn't have an N sixty four until years after the N sixty four had ceased being a going concern, and I'm still not super impressed by those games. I'm. I never was. Yeah. I never was. Like I. I was one of the ones who. Um, the PlayStation was my first introduction as well. So, you know, it would have been things like Tomb Raider, um, Crash Bandicoot, stuff like that, that that sold me more on the future of, of video game graphics than the. The N sixty four. I remember playing Mario sixty four and falling in lava, and then just thinking, how? How? How do people think this is brilliant? 
I <laughs> fell in love with this sucks. That said, mm. it came out on D, uh, 3DS recently for download. The yeah. DS one. Might have to get it. That game upsets me so much, but I play, I play it so much. <laughs> Don't even like it, but I just feel like I have to play it every now and then. But anyway, that's, that's for another day. Uh, this is Tomb Raider. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I haven't played the recent titles. Like, I got... You didn't play the, the reboots? I got the, fir- I got the first one, and my wife and I were going to do that whole, hey, you know, let's settle in for an hour a night, and, and we'll work our way through this. And we did that with Tomb Raider maybe twice. And then there were a few days that passed where we just couldn't get around to it and it came back in and I had no idea what we were doing. Uh, and we just never played it again. I really uh, like them both. I, I'm t- I have no doubt they're excellent. Um, I think my issue with a lot of this, a lot of the AAA, you know, big budget games is that I feel like I should be as invested in them as you know the budget like it's there should be a proportional level of investment from me to the budget that the game has like these people went to a whole lot of effort i should at least you know put forth the effort then and that seems like a lot of work (laughs) too too much work too much work too much work for me and i wind up playing some indie game instead you know and i will pour hundreds of hours Mm -hmm into some, you know, roguelike or, or whatever thing that doesn't, you know, have the same kind of polish or, um, or attention to detail maybe or isn't a, you know, a big, big project undertaken by a lot of people uh, instead. And it's, it sounds so stupid to say it out loud and so impractical. I don't know. I mean, like, you know, I played Tomb Raider. I played the, the both of the the ones in the new continuity. Um, obviously, hugely impressive work, but I only need to play them the once. But I could play, you know, whoa day for a minute a day every day and eventually clock up way more hours in it. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's just it. It's... Some games are built more to, to be, you know, played well, and, over and over. And I know these games are shorter, right? You know, in general, like, because, the, you know, in the time it would take you to master Binding of Isaac, you could play the new Tomb Raider four, five, six times easily, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's not, but, but the amount of attention that you have to pay in one stretch to get through that Tomb Raider run is more than I'm interested in giving, right? Yeah. Uh, it's. I feel like I have to be too involved in it. I can finish a session of, of something else that I'm doing, and I don't have a whole lot of mental commitment. I don't have to remember a story. I don't have to remember a lot of geography. I really just have to remember rules. I'm better with rules. I get lost. I went up backtracking. Mm-hmm. I went up spending 20 minutes looking at a map out of the hour that I'm playing the game, just trying to orient myself. I'm, I'm old now. I don't know if I've got it in me to do this shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I just want to like play something for 20 minutes and then not have to think about it again, ever, if I don't want to. No, that's fair enough. Yeah, I guess. We've got, we, we're grown adults. We've got too many other things to think about. That's true. I've got taxes and insurance and 
you know. There's some guy in the building right next to mine, living on the ground floor rear apartment that the police are looking for. Don't know why. Brilliant. So my wife, my wife uh, woke me up yesterday morning. Said, "There's two cops. There's two cops outside. They're in plain clothes, but they're, you know, they're hanging. They're wearing their badges and they're looking for some guy. They say they have a warrant." Murderer. I'm like, well, serial killer. What the fuck am I supposed to do with this information? Oh, you're in New York, aren't you? I'm predator. Yeah. Oh, well, sure. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. Right. You know, there couldn't be an endless number of other reasons why the police might want to. I mean, might have an arrest warrant for this guy. He's clearly a murderer. You know what? I saw him do it. She gets home. She gets home that night. First thing she says to me, did you find out anything else about the guy? (laughs) No. No, I didn't. Nothing happened. That was your opportunity to become a a junior detective. I can't. You see, here's the thing. If I indulge it, it only gets worse. (laughs) 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 So, anyway. Tomb Raider. (laughs) Tomb Raider, yes. Angelina Jolie stars. Um, I guess we should crack on. Yeah, I guess we should get into it. Yeah, we've wasted enough time <laughs> it's already. Been 20 minutes. 20 minutes, most of it garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do with Tomb Raider. Uh, but people want to know how this film went down, so I think it's very important we like crack on immediately with the plot. We have all of these new listeners tuning in. It's exactly. <laughs> yeah, let's carve them off a hunk of that Tomb Raider BBQ and get on with the plot. No more delays, no more interruptions, let's go. Lara Croft hangs upside down from a rope in a dusty <laughs> temple. If you're uh, one of how many new listeners, uh, <laughs> that trumpet call, um, a loose parody of the 20th Century Fox trumpet signal, uh, is, uh, oh, they're just Fox now. Um, what was I saying? You were explaining what the trumpet meant. Yes, uh, that trumpet means it's time for one of Jim's movie facts of the day. I do many facts of the day. Um, so there's no singular fact of the day. Uh, these are provided by Amazon.com, who drip-feed these facts throughout the movie as you watch, um, nominally giving you important contextual information about the scene. So immediately as the film starts, I've got this uh, amazing fact for you. Lara Croft is British, and Alex West is American. However... Oh. Angelina Jolie is American, and Daniel Craig, who plays Alex, is British. What? what? Is Amazon implying that Daniel Craig should have played Lara Croft, <laughs> and Angelina Jolie should have been Alex West? Yes. Well, I believe yes. Okay, alright. So... There is one scene which, under normal circumstances, in most of the films that we watched, those roles would have been reversed. Yeah. So maybe, maybe. Maybe that's their justification. Maybe there is a parallel universe where Daniel Craig played... Daniel Craig, Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider, yeah. And then it was Lara Croft who was Alex West. That's, that's multiverse theory. It gets a little uh, high-end in terms of thought for uh, a, a podcast about video game spin-off films. So I'll leave multiverse theory to the side for now. And we'll get back on with the film. Um, where did we get up to in the plot? <laughs> uh, she's hanging upside down from a rope in a dusty temple. 
eyeing some artifact thing. And she drops to the floor and approaches this pedestal that it's sitting on, only to have a robot attack out of nowhere. Oh, fuck. Robots? Wah? So she starts shooting it repeatedly repeatedly with her guns. This has a little effect. And so she shoots out the base of a monolith that it's standing on the other side of and runs up it to pin it to the floor. Now, this seems to work momentarily, but the robot gets back up and shows how dangerous it is with a couple of saw blade arms. And yeah, it goes real general grievous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the robot then pins Lara and, uh, and tries to, you know, threaten her with the saws, but she grabs the saws and uses it to disable its legs before climbing atop it and tearing wiring out. And it collapses, and so she's all satisfied with her victory and, and goes to take her prize. But then the robot gets up again. Oh, no, it doesn't stop, does not stop. Does not stop, except Laura yells, stop, and it does. It stops. Okay, it, now... It does stop. I would like to point out, just for anybody listening at home, who may be thinking about uh, coming up with a safe word for them and their partner, stop... I do not recommend. It's a terrible safe word. It doesn't really work. No, no. It doesn't really work. You um you want to stick with red and yellow. Right. <laughs> if if you they're easy most people understand them. That's where you want to stop. Too generic. Could run counter to whatever scenario you may be playing out. So Really try and stick to something a bit more esoteric. Uh, something that you wouldn't ordinarily... Like, wouldn't come up in everyday conversational parlance. Right, right. Um, but that's that's apparently the command that Laura yeah. gives to Always stop. make sure consent is expressed, not implied. And oh. have fun out there. Can a robot give consent if it's programmed? This oh, is this where just... we, we're talking about robot rights and, um, <laughs> you know, at, at what point does something become sentient enough yeah. to uh, engage in play of any kind? Which is um, probably what, too what complex a topic for a probably podcast. Probably a bit too complex. Um, the nature of uh, robotic agency in the BDSM scene is <laughs> too high a concept right now for a podcast about Uh, movies based on video games so we're gonna put that off to the side for now and how far did we get up to with the plot of tomb raider (coughs) 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 i should have known better than to try to drink coffee while you were doing that that's on me (laughs) quite literally on you (laughs) (coughs) uh uh, uh, yeah no we are we are literally three minutes into the plot um I thought this would be a quick one because I don't have much to say about the There's film. There's not so. that much to it. No. Uh, <laughs> retrieving the artifact, Laura opens it to reveal it contains a Sony memory stick. With yeah, a Laura's... lot of Sony products in this film. It's uh, got Laura's party mix on it. Uh, so uh, it turns out this isn't some tomb, but Laura's extravagant mansion castle thing. Yeah. Uh, Laura drags the robot to a lab occupied by her assistant, Bryce, who's rather upset that she's used live rounds to fight it in training. Um, then Laura goes and takes a shower. It's a ve- it's an incredibly erotic shower. 
it's a very erotic shower. It lasts for a long time with it lots does. of flicking hair and ah uh, ah uh, ah. Uh. And it's yeah, you know, it's it is a. It, it's it's it is it's PG thirteen content, you know. Like they they that is what this was rated, wasn't it? I'm uh, sure. Probably. I'm sure it had to have been. I, I'm 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 a grown man. I don't care about ratings anymore. Well, no, no, obviously it's not up there, but it it, it sort of contextualizes the, yeah. the kind of content. That Basically, is be they in the really film. wanted to. Um... Show Angelina Jolie's tits, but couldn't. Yeah, they basically they they to, they told Angela Jolie, "We are going to shoot you from the shoulders up, mm-hmm. and you are going to do everything in your power to give everyone in this theater wood." Yeah, like like we we can't expose your breasts for their pleasure, but act as if they're out and flapping. Yeah, please. pretty much. Like they pretty really much. wanted, they really wanted to make genitals hard and wet and sticky and just go it's swampy and mm-hmm. murky down there grim kind of effective i guess maybe i mean like was, they tried hard i mean here's the thing like angelina jolie is incredibly beautiful and such a talent and her boobs are in the film a bit they are you see, you don't see any nip, but you do see, like, kind of, not not quite side, but, like, back and side, when she's kind of turning to talk to Hillary the butler. Right. Who's trying to make her a proper lady. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and, yeah, you do get, you get, and they, interestingly, they show you side boob of each breast. Yeah, they, they <laughs> really, they really want to, like, 3D map these boobs <laughs> they, they in your head. They want to give you all of the information so that you can assemble the breasts in your mind. It's like it's like a like a, a like a, a an imagination b- breast puzzle for your brain. <laughs> uh, so yes, Hilly tries to convince her to put on a dress like a proper lady, but mm-hmm. Lara Croft is no proper lady because she's going to wander around naked in front of her butler. Yeah, her butler played by Chris Barry, who I'm a massive fan of. Um, oh. Fantastic uh, comedy performer in the nineties was in Red Dwarf, uh, The British Empire, um, just just two hugely popular uh, sitcoms. Oh, in the okay, 90s. all right. He was Rimmer. Rimmer, Arnold J. Rimmer. Yeah. Okay, I I knew I recognized him from somewhere. I was not a big Red Dwarf fan. I have seen it here and there a few times. I've made a couple attempts to watch it, and it's just it's uh, kind of slow at points. It's funny, but it. Like, it is, it is. It, yeah, they, they went kind of very hard on some of the sci-fi concepts. Um, yeah. And, and but that's, so, okay. Yeah, but, but yeah, that, that's I knew I'd seen him somewhere before. Talented that, impressionist yeah. as well. Um, just, just, just great performer. Uh, he was the sole reason I gave a shit about watching this film this week. There you go. So there, yeah. Um, and he was good. Yeah, he's not bad. He's not bad. Meanwhile, in Venice... The music changes to let us know we are about to meet the bad guys. Oh fuck! And they reveal that they are in—it's it's a, like a, a council—and they reveal that they're in search for this key and a triangle. And there's a deadline relating to planetary alignments that only come about every five thousand years. It's—it's—it's it's, it's a bunch of very tight exposition. That's—it's it, at least more subtle than a voiceover. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
um, but it pretty much lays out the, the timeline and the restrictions and the limitations that they're working under. Um, Manfred Powell, which, is, which he's the dude that the council selected to find these things for them. Yeah. Um, uh, the actor making his second appearance in a, a movie boy uh, film. Mm-hmm. He was the scientist in Resident Evil Apocalypse. Dr. Isaacs. Dr. Isaacs, and here he is as Powell. Um, it's that actor who plays Jorah Mormont in Game of Thrones again, for you Game of Thrones fans out there. Well, there's a couple of... Well, he's, he's not the only Game of Thrones performer. Well, of course, Angelina Jolie is Cersei in Game of Thrones. <laughs> no, um, uh, Bryce, her partner. He's in Game of Thrones, too. Is he? I'm pretty sure. Fuck. I'm pretty sure he is. Uh, Locke, I want to say? No. Um, I don't remember what his character's name is. But I, I, because, because you told me earlier this morning uh, when I said, hey, you should watch the movie. And you were watching it and you were like, oh, this guy from Game of Thrones is in here. And I was like, yeah, but I wouldn't know who he is because I don't watch Game of Thrones. No, I went, no it, was, it was Locke. Yeah, was, I was right. I okay. see it now. Yeah, I mean, he, he looks very different in Game of Thrones. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, so that guy, have, the guy who uh, plays her assistant, Bryce, is also in Game of Thrones. But I, yeah, I looked that up, and he was the first guy I found that was in Game of Thrones, and I was like, well, he wasn't in anything we'd seen. Yeah, like barely recognize him between Game of Thrones and Tomb Raider. Well, it's yeah. been fifteen years. Fifteen years plus in, in Game of Thrones, his hair's long, he's got a beard and a scar on his face and everything. That's pretty different. Yeah, it looks very different. But that, no, that's oh, that's actually cool, cool, cool fact. So there you go. Um, anyway, Manfred Powell, this guy, seems con- he's confident that they'll have all of this sorted out by the end of the week. Um, but he reveals to his assistant, Mr. Pym, who looks like Jesse Eisenberg, but isn't. Yeah, he's... He was, um, like, he was like an early clone of Jesse Eisenberg. He's also someone a bit more well-known to British people. He's uh, been in some stuff. Um, I mostly recognize him from a one-shot um, appearance in Black Books. Uh, okay. Another hilarious sitcom in Britain. One that I highly recommend to anyone. It's a very funny show. It stars Dylan Moran and Bill Bailey. All right. Well, he's he's there. Um, yeah. Back at uh, Croft Manor, Lara is presented with some adventuring options, uh, but she turns her nose up at uh, at Hilly's little binders of places she could She's go. She's so raid. sick of going to Egypt. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's sand, getting in all the cracks. Um, and she points out that the anniversary of her father's de- disappearance is really probably not the best time for that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, bit bit insensitive, Hillary. And uh, so she goes out to her father's memorial, which is in a tent in front of the mansion, and leaves a little garland of jasmine flowers. And, uh, and then from the ridiculously large telescope in the mansion, like this... Like, as if the sort of fake Egyptian-style training room to fight the robot in wasn't evidence enough of the absurd extravagance through which Lara Croft lives. This telescope. There are universities that do not have a telescope this nice. Yeah. You know, that, I mean, that, 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 universities with astronomy programs i'm talking about like there are fucking observatories that do not have equipment this night that's nice. fucking lara croft for you fucking one percenter it's re- 
ridiculous. But she's sitting in this uh, insane telescope and observing the planets coming into alignment and lamenting how her father would have loved to have seen it, you know, when it happens in a week. And then that night, tossing and turning in her bed, she has a dream of her father telling her about the planetary alignment and the, tr the triangle that the Illuminati dudes were interested in and, and wakes up to a ticking noise. That wasn't a ticking noise. That was a trumpet call for Jim Sterling's movie fact of the day, Conrad Zimmerman. <laughs> and what is our movie fact of the day, Jim Sterling? <laughs> I'm, I'm reading this fact. This is, this is the point it came up in the film. John Voight was cast as President Roosevelt in Pearl Harbor after Gene Hackman turned it down. Hackman's wife was of Japanese descent and him being in a film about the events that precipitated Japan's downfall uh, would have presumably hurt her, so he turned the role down. Hence why John Voight played President Roosevelt in 2001's Pearl Harbor. Thanks, Amazon. Is, it, is this the very first fact about John Voight that they, that they gave you? Yes. <laughs> so. There's, there's th one there's, more. There's, there's not, there's not, a, there's not like a, a, a relevant fact as it pertains to, you know, like people in this film. Um, not in that, not in that John Voight fact, but that's, right, that's right. John Voight fact one of two. Right. But, but they chose to go with. This one first. That one first, yeah. I mean, I, I guess because the next one's such a bombshell <laughs> that they're building up to it. I promise you. I promise you um, when we finally get to the other John Voight fact, it'll be... Uh, okay. It'll be good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So she uh, wakes up from this dream to the ticking noise and she follows the sound downstairs and finds behind the wood panel of the main staircase of her mansion's great hall, there is a hidden room where there's a bunch of stuff stored in it. And in there is a clock that's ticking. This film's actually quite ludicrous. It is. The, the, Lara takes the clock to her, to her assistant Bryce, who lives with his little robots in a trailer on the grounds. And he pokes around in it with a, you know, a, one of those cameras that they use to do your colonoscopy. And, uh, and, and this sort of points out, oh, there's something inside this clock. And so he starts disassembling it, and, and he isn't disassembling it fast enough for Lara, who decides that the clock is really just useless camouflage for whatever this unrecognized thing is inside it, and just starts breaking with a hammer, like... With yeah. no respect whatsoever to the risk of possibly film, she, damaging that. In this film, she is destructive, littering, rude. She she comes across as a complete asshole in this film. Well, she's like people complain about Indiana Jones not being a, like a particularly good representation of archaeologists, right? Because yeah. you know. It's not at all adventuring off, and, and it's really just a lot of hanging around in dusty places with brushes, moving very slowly. Yeah. Which, That's... to be fair, would, would have made a less entertaining film for Harrison Ford to star in. Absolutely. Yeah, so I understand. But, but if you compare 
Indiana Jones to Laura Croft as archaeologists, just on the basis of what they should be doing professionally. Yeah. In terms yeah. of protecting, you know, ancient sites and and, and the artifacts and the things we at can least, learn from them. At least while he was stealing artifacts and shooting Nazis. Um I I put that as if those two things are equitable. <laughs> <laughs> They're not. One's actually quite good. Um, but, you know, he, he said this belongs in a museum, which is kind of imperialistic, but at least at least he wanted to preserve something. Lara Croft, little thug. Just, just destroy shit. Thug. And there's a bit later where she gets a FedEx package and just drops it on the floor for Hillary to pick up. <laughs> thug and spoiled. So she breaks the clock open with a hammer, and in and this thing inside is a, like a strange disc with gears and the all-seeing eye emblazoned on it. And we know it's the all-seeing eye because she refers to it as the all-seeing eye. Yeah, yeah. Real Illuminati shit going on here. So riding a motorcycle, because she's dangerous, mm-hmm. Lara goes to an auction to meet a clock expert and almost spends $2.4 million on a clock by accident. <laughs> Got a little Somehow quick one for you. Just a little quick one. Um, the Dagger of Shan from Tomb Raider 2 is seen and mentioned in the auction. Oh, 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 oh. oh game from the video game. From the video game Tomb Raider 2. It's probably also worth noting that, that you know, the... Uh, well, we'll talk about it in the aftermath, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, There's right. some other... I mean, I'll, I'll do them now. There are some um, parallels that are... There's some par- smart parallels that are drawn, too, uh, in terms of structure and design of the games versus the film. There's some good references. There's yeah. uh, her bag at one point puts... Like, she puts things in it that's feasibly a bit too large for the bag. Yeah. Um, which is a little subtle reference to, like, the inventory. Um, there's some other items she uses that I've forgotten. Doesn't matter. And when she sees dogs at the end, she says, aha, which is what she said when she picked up items in uh, the Tomb Raider games. Oh. So, they're all the game references. Mm. Uh, carry on, please. Uh. Leslie Phillips is also the the clock dude in this, the old fella. Yes. Leslie Phillips, um, voice of Gex, the probably be most recognisable to our listeners, voice of Gex the Gecko, um, was also just a, a very, very long-running veteran, respected actor in British uh, movies, and later on became a big part of the comedy scene. And as around that age, actually, involved in a lot of comedy films and comedy shows, and was just fantastic. Great fucking performer. So on her way into the clock expert's office, she runs into... Alex West. It's James Bond, isn't it? It is James Bond. Daniel Craig. He's a fellow grave robber who's just in it for the money. Oh, fuck. Uh, They clearly have a history. She expresses some disdain for his business-like approach to archaeology. I mean, this is literally the... He's like the the bad meteorologist from Twister. This this is the it-belongs-in-a-museum scene of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... Yeah. You know, all those museums we see Lara Croft donating things to in this film. Or in the games, for that matter. Yeah. I don't recall it. Maybe she did it. She Maybe. Did. I don't know. She Everything... is a spoiled thug. <laughs> well, everything she shit. uncovers, you know, seems to have, like, the capability to destroy the world. So... Just leave it alone. Yeah, yeah. Maybe she should just be leaving this shit there. Yeah, keep, keep your fucking hands off, mate. So the clock expert... 
Mr. Wilson examines the device as Laura points out that it seems to be counting down to something and that her father once told her a legend about a triangle with the all-seeing eye on it that gave its owner the power to control time. Which is kind of, all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Mr. Wilson says he hasn't heard of it. That night, however, he calls Laura and directs her to talk with Manfred Powell, who might know something. But he's clearly sending Laura into trouble, since he apologizes to a photo of him, him being Mr. Wilson, and her father being, you know, Mr. Croft. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sad. Bad times. Bad happen. times. So Laura takes photos of the disc to Manfred's house, which is another ostentatious mansion. I guess everybody lives like this mm-hmm. over in England. That You all have houses like that out there, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Down, on my council estate, everyone had a mansion. Right. Uh, so uh, she also meets the assistant, Mr. Pims. Uh, Pims tells her that Powell's a lawyer, is a lawyer. He introduces them, and, and they have some small talk. Powell comments on having met Laura's father once, and Laura shows him photos of her weird clock, and he practically gets wood, but tries to play it cool. And uh, in the lab at Croft Manor, Laura's not buying Powell's claims that he knew nothing about this clock when they talked. So that night, while Laura's doing bungee aerobics in the hall of her mansion... Yeah. I got another fact, by the way. Mm-hmm. What's your fact, Jim? If you're interested. I am. Um, this is actually, I think, the only one I have that's relevant. <laughs> um, the uh, bungee ballet thing she's doing uh, was all done by Angelina Jolie herself. No stunt performer. Uh, she actually injured her ankle botching a landing on a chandelier at one point, and they had to refilm it after the ankle had gotten better. She did her own stunts for that bit. Yeah, I remember there being some press around it, how you know she was going to do most of the stunts herself, or the ones, all the ones they'd let her. Yeah. You know, because the insurance on, policy on her by that point must have been obscene. Pretty damn good, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, she's doing the bungee aerobics in the hall, and the motion detectors go off. And a group of armed soldiers assault the manor to steal the clock. And electronic music happens. Uh, Yeah. A whole lot of running, you know, in the air and grabbing guns and shooting at people. Oh! Hmm? I'll tell you another good bit of music. Hmm? Yeah, I've heard that tune. It's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It normally comes with a fact attached. And this one does too. Do tell. During that fight, with the commandos that break in and shoot her. Mm-hmm. Um, she's still on the bungee things and has the fight on the bungee cords. At one point, she grabs a commando between her legs and uses the bungees to kind of fling him into two other commandos. Mm-hmm. Uh, you eagle-eyed viewers will spot that uh, the gun that he is holding bends when uh, it contacts when, when he lands, it bends quite noticeably, revealing that the gun is made entirely of rubber. Mm-hmm. Bit of a goof there. Something tells me someone was fired for that fuck-up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that bit's editorial. That's not a fact. So Bryce, who has been locked in his trailer by the soldiers, tries to activate his robot to help. But Lara did too good a job of breaking it earlier, and it's just... Out of commission. Pointless little thug. 
And the soldiers start going to work on penetrating Bryce's lab, where the, the clock is in, uh, first having to breach the bulletproof glass with C C4, and then needing to cut through a security fence, which drops into place after they blow open that door. So, you know, there's time. Uh, Lara makes her way into the equipment room slash garage by way of a dumbwaiter, but can't get to her guns before soldiers arrive. Uh, but, you know, I do have to commend her on her responsibility and proper gun care, uh, keeping those guns locked up in a gun safe. Very responsible. Uh, would not have expected that of her. She's the sort of character, I mean, she, she kept a knife under her pillow to sleep with. Um... Yeah, I think she just really loves those guns. Maybe. I, mean, just, I don't think it's about, like, res responsibility. As but wouldn't you want to have better access to them than having to lock them up like that? If you love them so much? It Maybe just she seems... gets off on the anticipation every morning as she unlocks the safe. Well, that could She's be. She's like, oh god, there's going to be some guns in there. It could be. Well, she can't get it open before soldiers arrive. She has to hide behind a, one of her many, many, many cars that are in her massive garage. Yeah, we really need to know how rich this um, person is. Yes, very, very wealthy. Uh, so she grabs a pneumatic gun and uh, a screwdriver and uses that as ammo, and with visual assistance from Bryce watching over the security cameras, she disables two of the soldiers and then distracts a third with car alarms so that she can beat him up personal-like. She then rides on a... What do you, what do you call those? Is it a dolly? Yeah. It's like a cart. You know, dolly the, the, works. Yeah, it, it, it conjures up the appropriate image. Yeah, you know, the cart that you would use to like slide under a vehicle to repair it from underneath. That yeah. thing. Mechanic skateboard. There you go. Uh, she rolls on one of those past another guard and steals his gun and, and then hops onto a motorcycle and rides the bike across the hood of a car, firing the gun from in air to cause some compressed tanks to explode inside her own fucking garage. Uh, uh. Flipping one of her cars over. Why would you... Thug. Just a thug. Uh, but when she gets to the main hall, she's too late. The soldiers have already stolen her clock, and they deliver it to Powell. The next morning, a UPS dude pulls up in front of Croft Manor and delivers a letter to Lara, which she, yes, as Jim mentioned, just... Rips the top off it, drops top. that. I do like this. There's a cute line in here that she sort of, uh, you know, plays off the idea of being a spoiled aristocrat uh, and, and claims to have woken up this morning and just hated all of it. That was, actually did make me laugh a bit. Yeah. She explains to the delivery guy why her why, house is trashed. Yes. I liked that. I thought yeah, that was, was a cute, a cute it, bit. It was a brief bit of amusement I got before going back to being furious that while Bryce and Hillary are cleaning up all the shit, like, they need a wheelbarrow for the amount of debris that was left with all the shooting and destruction. They're trying to clean up, and she's just dropping fucking UPS packages on the floor. Well, it undermines the whole, you know... Uh, wit and candor of the previous exchange with the UPS guy. Because here what you have is you have this character who is demonstrating, look how down-to-earth I am in spite of my, you know, cultured, aristocratic upbringing, right? But then she shows that she still is part of that breeding, aristocratic upbringing by being so dismissive of her help. 
and creating more work for them by just tossing this thing on the ground without any consideration for their feelings. Absolutely disgusting. She's fucking pretending. She, she, she is the subject of Pulp's common people. That's exactly what she is. She's, she's, she's posing poor to get off on the thrill, but she can always go home to her big mansion at the end of the day while we're stuck in the bedsit with the cockroaches. Disgusting. Smash the state. Makes me sick. So the letter is from her father, uh, delivered by his lawyers at his request on this specific date. It contains a poem by William Blake. So Laura goes to her father's books and retrieves his collection of Blake, finding the all-seeing eye in the back cover and a painting of the red dragon and a set of dentures and a secret letter hidden inside. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, no, she finds a secret letter hidden inside, and this is a much more expansive letter that tells her about the clock, calling it a key that unlocks the hiding place, the two pieces of the triangle of light, and tells its legend in which an ancient civilization made the triangle out of the meteor that fell to Earth the last time the planets were aligned, and built a city inside the crater and worshipped this triangle for being able to control time. So finally, like... 35, 40 minutes into the 100-minute film, we're getting our uh, exposition narrative Yeah, voiceover. That's it. Like, you think maybe we've wasted a bit too much time, but we can clear like whole chunks of this film in, in a short amount of time with the amount of plot that isn't in it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of, there's a lot of action sequences. Like, I say, you know, when I say electronic music and fighting happens, then, you know, you've got eight, nine, ten minutes of that to yeah. look forward to before we sort of go into anything actually happening again. It makes it very quick for us to bolt through. It sure does. Which is does. great, because of the amount of facts that you've, you've seen that I've, so I'm bringing So many today. facts. So, um, the Triangle's power wound up abused, and the city was destroyed, and so the Triangle's broken into two parts and hidden. <laughs> This one actually meant to come a little bit earlier. Mm. Between the um, auction scene and the fight scene with the commandos. Uh-huh. Um, just so that you've got the right context for this fact appearing. It's important to know where the facts come in. Yeah, yeah. So in between those, uh, we learn, in March 1999, it was reported Angelina Jolie would star as one of the three leads in Charlie's Angels. However, she chose not to be in the film, so she's not in it. <laughs> Thank you, Amazon. Thanks. <laughs> right. So, um, her father's letter tells her to seek the first half of the triangle in Cambodia and tells her to look where wild jasmine grows and to destroy the triangle before evil people can get it. What a dick. Now, Lara calls in a favor from some paramilitary friends that she has for reasons and gets dropped off in Cambodia, which that's never gone wrong, by the way. No. It has never gone wrong for paramilitary types to drop into Cambodia without telling anybody. Not never. At all. Always good. By the way, um, I won't bother with the fanfare for this one because I didn't write it down in my thing. Um, but I did remember it. Uh, but this, was, this film was the first American film in uh, 30 years to film in Cambodia. I wonder why. Yeah, well, there you Ca go. Can't imagine why. Why we didn't shoot any films in Cambodia for 30 years. That's weird. I couldn't tell you. It's, it's almost as though something happened around 1970. Couldn't tell you. Huh. 
All so, I know is they, they, Angelina was like, get in there. And she did. She got in there. Then once there, she discovers that Powell's already there with Alex West, and no. they're using local labor to break into a temple. Assholes. Lara hops into her Jeep, which is kind of impractical, I would think, with the density of the jungle here. But, you know, there are roads she for reasons. Um, and she finds a back entrance by following some butterflies, and, and then little girls are running around the temple like, like, go- like gremlins in some horror movie eventually leading Lara to find Wild Jasmine and then disappear like a ghost thing. No idea what's happening in this temple. That makes sense, makes sense. And then she falls into an unseen pit to the main chamber where Powell and West are headed. And and she hides herself in the upper reaches as they enter and find an overcomplicated puzzle involving the placement of swords held by a huge statue into a dais, which West figures out most of on his own. Uh, Powell discovers an impression in the floor where the clock would fit, but Lara finds another one that lines up neatly with the head of the sword statue and decides that that's the correct place. Piping up and exposing herself, not like that, uh, to stop Powell from putting it where he would want to. And they banter. Not like that. <laughs> hey uh, They banter with, with Lara pointing out that she also wants to get the triangle and has no reason to lie because she's just going to steal it from him. And so Powell tosses Lara the clock at the last possible moment, and she inserts it, causing all the swords to lock into the dais, and a pendulum with a spike point starts swinging toward the basin on the big statue, but it doesn't have enough momentum to strike it like it needs to. So Lara jumps on top of it and guides it in. Not like that. Yeah, I, 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 just, I was going to leave it hanging. An explosion of light erupts from the uh, basin thing and focuses on a dome in the center of the room, which starts releasing a mercury-like substance along with producing half of the triangle, which uh, Lara scoops up from atop the pendulum before dashing off to go run away. Um, this is a, It's weird. Like, the whole, this whole scene is weird. This is the scene where it's like, okay, abandon any pretense of non-mystical anything. Because none of this shit makes sense. Never mind that you have an ancient civilization that's built this incredibly complicated device. But the, the mercury oil thing is weird. And it starts flowing all through yeah. the... It's really bad CGI as well. It's 2001 still. I mean, we're not there it, yet. There was better CGI than that. But they had to spend anything... all that money buying buying uh, Angelina Jolie for the that's film. That's true. That's true. I'm just saying anything post-Jurassic Park at this point, like, I judge it CGI. Mm. Harsh. Mm. It was shit. Spawn it was... Shit. Sp- Spawn was... was uh... Spawn was particularly bad. Yeah, great film, though. Yeah, they made a game out of that, didn't they? Probably. They made a game out of everything. I'm not saying I'm days. not saying that just so that we can have an excuse to like, you know, go the other direction with this <laughs> oh, shit. We should do small. <laughs> but but that's gonna <laughs> th- see that's the thing, that will expose us to all sorts of other yeah, horrifying that's, problems. That's a horrific trapdoor we're <laughs> That's Pandora's that. box. Uh, anyway, so uh, the, this mercury like substance starts flowing all throughout the uh, the 
chamber, I guess you would call it. And Powell sends West to retrieve the clock as everyone else just sort of stares at it, flowing into the statues of simian guards all around the place, which brings them all to life, and lots of shooting happens. Uh, a lot of running around and shooting stone statues. Lara shoots some, Powell shoots some, West shoots some, there's some guard shooting some. And once the, the threat of these seems to have passed, uh, Lara, Lara pops up again and taunts Powell with the triangle hat that she has absconded with. Could have uh, just left. Could have just left. left. Yeah. But no, had to show off. And then the big statue that had had all the swords and the basin and whatnot comes to life with its six arms and being all giant and stuff and using what I, my mind wants to justify as magnetism, but my heart knows is lazy telekinesis script writing to draw the swords to itself. Uh, and Lara's guns aren't a whole lot of use, so she knocks the still-swinging pendulum off course and into the statue, which just destroys it. Yeah, it goes down pretty easy. Yeah, it, yeah it, it's not... For something so large and threatening, it did not wind up being very threatening. Nah. Uh, and she escapes. It spent more of its screen time stumbling around comically before falling apart. And, and, making, and, and, making, uh, and rotating its head to make a face. Mm. Which is pretty dumb. Uh, she escapes through the jungle, reaches a waterfall where Wes tries to stop her at gunpoint. Uh, Lara turns and looks at him and says, I didn't kill my wife. And Wes says, I don't care. And Lara jumps off the waterfall. Uh, reaching a village, Lara asks some monks to use their satellite phone. And calls Powell. And that's her first call. Her first call is to taunt Powell. Yeah. So what is her fucking damage? Her priorities are just way off. That's all it is. Absolute, absolute bastard in this film. Unsympathetic, unlikable. And Powell suggests that, hey, let's meet up, talk about their options, because they clearly need each other. Um, and so they're going to meet up in Venice. And then she calls Bryce and brings him up to speed, saying that Powell will tell her where the second half of the triangle is. And then she has a disassociative psychological break from reality while hanging out with the monks. And she's like with a whole bunch of them participating in some ritual and then closes her eyes and discovers herself seated in the lotus position opposite a lone monk with a cup of tea. Yeah, I really, really tuned out at this point. It's, it, it's, it would be easy enough to be confused by it if you looked away at just like any of the wrong times yeah. and i'll be honest i was tapped out for so much of this film <laughs> and then if you if you're actually watching it paying attention it doesn't make any more sense because it's just as confusing uh so she drinks some tea and that instantly heals her wound on her arm from i'm i don't know uh getting carried out by a flying stone statue which physics not even going there So Lara goes off to Venice to meet Powell and accuses him of being a member of the Illuminati. And Powell tries to seduce her with power and Lara mocks him for not being the guy in charge. And, and he shocks her by revealing that, well, now he's got her father's former, former position in the Illuminati, so what about that? And he says that they could use the Triangle's power to bring him back to Lara. 
And, uh, you know, they just have to team up. And Laura sort of walks out on him without answering. And uh, meanwhile, West uh, is taking a shower uh, and looking ripped as fuck when he uh, thinks he hears something. Tight. Tight, bud. Uh, he grabs his gun, and opens the door to his room, uh, exposing himself to a maid. Uh, the, uh, the Daniel Craig is exposed for our pleasure. Oh, very much so. And, and I gotta say, you know, I'm not generally into dudes. But I am one of those dudes that could be like, you know what? Yeah, all right. He's, he's, yeah, he's got it going on. I get it. I see it. He's got it going on. I'd say stop, but it wouldn't be my safe word. You know what I'm saying? Mmm. Yeah. Daniel Craig. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, he yeah, comes uh, <laughs> <laughs> comes back into his room and sees the word traitor written in condensation on the mirror and discovers Lara just chilling. Why would you? Petty. <laughs> she threatens him, which arouses him. Like it, like it would. Like, this seed's just hot in general. There's oh, no reason... Shit, I have never seen a postal worker run so fast. <laughs> Sorry, there's, um... Listeners may hear Bartleby in the background. Oh. Um, he doesn't, like... The... the Delivery people don't even need to see him. He barks very loudly at anyone who is even, like, across the street. Ooh. Um, we try and break him of it, but we've, we've really struggled to do it. Um, and, yeah, someone obviously dropped something off, hopefully a boglin, and I just saw them running back to their van and speeding <laughs> off. They didn't even see him. He clearly was just barking through the door, but they did not want to play with it. That's awesome. He did once chase a FedEx person. Oh. And he doesn't do it to be mean. No, he, uh, he's just As soon excited. as he gets near them, he just instantly quietens down and starts sniffing their feet and legs and stuff. But, but he wants a, to know what's up. Yeah, but he yeah. is a loud, rambunctious bulldog and he, he scares people. <laughs> so Laura decides to team up with Weston Powell. And she brings Bryce along and they all pile into a cargo plane and fly to Siberia. But they have to make the last leg of their journey on land because the crater that the lost city is in is in a dead zone where electronics will not function. Now this is a continuity fuck up. Because this ancient crater city thing that they had would have uh, not been the place that they would have stored the other half of the thing. Because they, they're told that they put them on opposite ends of the earth. They... they uh, it, that, that, bad, bad legend telling. Yeah, well, bad, Amazon didn't think to point that out. It's a bad legend. Um, so electronics aren't going to function in the crater because it's a dead zone, so they'll have to hoof it. Bryce buys some pack dogs from the locals while Lara has a conversation with a little girl in Russian, which disturbs her, and she finds more Jasmine. So clearly they're on the right path, uh, I guess, because you can't just find Jasmine anywhere. No. I suppose. Not in a, not, especially not in a dead zone. No, no. Mobiles, if your mobile <coughs> phone isn't working, there is a better than average chance that Jasmine isn't there. Right. So to find some, big score. And the group heads out in some trucks until they actually reach to the dead zone itself and then have to travel in by sled dog. Reaching the city, Lara finds a bell outside <laughs> a... The trucks reminded me mm -hmm. of this one. 
Um, you ready for this? This I this am. one is. This one's my 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 favorite one. <clears throat> John Voigt has played a boxer in two films. The All-American Boy in 1973 and The Champ in 1979. John Voigt was in 2001's Ali, but as sportscaster Howard Castle. He was not a boxer in that one. Okay. Uh, there's two things. Yeah, yeah, please. Two, please. two things about the that. That's always been my style. Uh, his name's Howard Cassell. It's pronounced okay. Cassell. Just, you know. Sorry, for future that's reference. on me. No, no, no. Yeah, no that's just, on me. Yeah. Don't blame um, Amazon for that one. I, I didn't know. And that's, that's the other, uh, so this is the second John Voight fact that we've got. That's John Voight fact two of two. That's the last one I've got for you in terms of, in terms of John Voight knowledge. Okay, uh, so. Those are the two knowledge bombs I just exploded all over this podcast. Were these, were these the only John Voight factoids that they provided? Uh, they're the only two I saw and I paid close attention to my John Voight facts. Okay. Uh, If I missed one, I may have missed one. I, you know, I can't, I can't mouse over entirely the, you know, the whole film, but uh, those are the two I, I saw. Just checking. Yeah, yeah, and I always saw them when John Voight was nowhere near the screen. <laughs> I mean, they came up around his appearances, but by the time I moused over, he was never on the screen. <sighs> so it just looks like someone just really likes John Voight and wants to talk about him during a random film. <laughs> But does it point out that John Voight is Angelina Jolie's father? I didn't see that mentioned at all. <laughs> like that's. I mean, maybe maybe I missed it, but that's, I, did I like. Not I see feel. That I one. feel like you had to because it's just so incomprehensible to me that you would start on the other fact <laughs> about the, him turning down <laughs> the movie and not point out that, by the way. These two central, the, 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 the protagonist in this film and her father, the characters are portrayed by a woman and her father. Yeah, I, I didn't see that fact. So, so I can't verify what you've just even said. Because I, I'll need we to don't know, we don't know Amazon. for sure that this is true because let Amazon me, um, didn't provide the fact. Let me just tweet at Amazon. <laughs> hey, oh shit. Sorry, I'm, I'm at a weird angle to my keyboard while I'm recording. Oh, no, no, so. I understand. I understand. Take your time. Take your time. Amazon. Um, while, while you're doing that, um, you know, or, or after you're done with that, maybe you should look up to see if uh, Tomb Raider has a page at the uh, uh, Internet Firearms Movie Database. Oh, are, you, are you kidding? It's, it's going to be pride of place. <laughs> it, does, it does have one. In case you... It does. It does. Right, so anyway, moving on. Okay, I'm done, sorry. Are you? Are you? Yeah. Are you done? Yeah, I just had to ask them if they could confirm it, because okay, it's not good. official until they do. So. Oh, 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 good, yeah. good. So she finds this bell outside some structure, which we assume is a temple, I guess. She yeah, rings it, it and it causes everything to shake and rattle and roll, and the ice shatters over the entryway, and they can go inside. And inside is another convoluted mechanism with multiple globes, not unlike a model of a solar system, and these flashes of light. Uh, And so one of the sled dogs jumps through one of these flashes, and we see all its inside parts in layers. 
Like, at first it peels away the fur, and you see all the musculature, and then it peels away the musculature, and you see the skeleton, and then when it comes out the other side, it's normal again, because it prob- it might have cost them the PG-13 rating, I think, yeah, if they just, like... Yeah, we dog. If they just done, like, red mist out the other side, which is really what I was hoping for. <laughs> just imagining this film just randomly just... Total body disruption on a dog. <laughs> and, uh, and so, Lara, n- witnessing this, demonstrates her advanced knowledge of quantum physics. Because she's not just an archaeologist, but I guess a theoretical quantum physicist. Not bad for a, for a violent petty vandal. Right. Uh, she casually refers to these as time storms. Okay, Lara. Uh, the planets come to alignment, and the machine comes to life. Uh, West and Lara both start climbing on it to try and find out how they're supposed to, you know, work with it. And Lara, I guess, figures it out. They do wager about where it is. Yeah. 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 What was your fact? Oh, do you want to hear a fact? I'd love to hear a fact, Jim, if you've got one. Um, this is the penultimate one, I say... I promise there's there's only one more after this one. Um, Lara, Lara Croft, is 36 double D in the games. Angelina Jolie is 36 C. Now, she was padded, they padded the bra to reach a 36 D. They didn't go double D. Because they felt that size would be too unrealistic. Oh, or would that? Would, yeah. that? would that possibly be comical? They they figured it just it wouldn't work. No? I guess with her, huh? Her body and that much padding would just look a bit wrong. Would, I would guess. that would that seem a bit absurd? Uh, according to them, huh? According to the filmmakers, uh, I I don't care because like I don't see breasts. <laughs> well, unless they're exposed for our pleasure. Well, I mean, obviously that's the goes to that side. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. So, one more fact. Laura figures out how this is all supposed to work. And they make this wager, like, oh, I bet it's inside the sun, Alex says. And, you know, and off they go. And, yeah, it was inside. He was totally right. Like, she doesn't have any cause to be, you know, like... Like, he was right about where it was. She just yeah. figured out that she had to go in from underneath. You know, you had to hit the back door from underneath. And... So she tells her to toss her the thing, and she she catches the clock and sticks it in there, and it pulls like her that. into the sun. Yeah, and certainly not like that. Not like that. Certainly not like that. Uh, and then it just it sort of ejects her out the other side. Yeah, not and, like that. And uh, she's got the second half of the triangle. And so the head Illuminati dude, like, takes it and gets all ceremonial about how, you know, oh, we're going to put the two ta- halves together, and... Blah, 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 and this makes Powell all impatient. So he has his soldiers shoot the guy. Takes the pieces for himself and tries to put them together, but they don't do anything. He's all bummed out about it. Uh, And so he decides it's going to be Lara's responsibility to figure out how this thing works before the planetary alignment ends, and they have to wait another 5,000 years to do all of this again. And so to motivate her, he takes his knife and throws it into Alex West's chest and Alex falls into the water and that's around this big mechanism thing and he drowns 
while Powell promises to bring both him and Laura's father back if, you know, they just if she just figures out how to fix the triangle. No problem. No sweat. Problem solved. So Laura asks to borrow a laser scope for reasons and points it at one of the time storms for reasons. Uh, none of that's clear, but then she throws the clock into it and kind of like how, while the dog was in there, like it was sort of separated into all of its parts. The clock gets separated into all of its parts. And one of those parts is a tiny little piece of the triangle, like a little bigger than a few grains of sand. And so she sort of reaches her fingers in, which don't get separated into their parts. I'm very confused. Like, the consistency of these time storms really yeah. well, problematic. I mean, she's the expert. We, we can't know yeah, for sure. That's, that's, that's true. That's true. She knows what she's doing. Yeah, like, if I expect anyone to know about time storms, it's going to be Lara Croft or Amazon.com. I can't speak about them. So she pulls this little fragment out and drops it into the two larger parts, and the triangle is restored. Teleporting both her and Powell midway down a pyramid, which they're racing to the top of, trying to claim the triangle that's floating above it in a depiction of the all-seeing eye, like the one you would see on the back of your dollar yeah. bill. I, I'd have preferred if uh, they were crawling up a pillar where there was a magic lamp, <laughs> and they both struggle over it for a moment, and then the DuckTales logo appears. <laughs> Or, or if perhaps they uh, were fighting over a dagger stuck into a giant uh, naturally occurring hourglass. Oh, yes, please. Yeah, something like that, maybe? Yeah, please. <sighs> it's almost L done. <laughs> Laura uh, gets there first, and uh, Powell falls off into the inky black abyss, and she finds herself back in her father's tent with him still alive at some point in his life. And they talk, and he persuades her to not bring him back, but to destroy the triangle forever. And so Lara returns to the moment West was stabbed and turns the knife, suspended in midair still, to face the opposite direction. And as the planetary alignment ends, the knife flies into Powell's chest, and everybody decides to leave except for Powell, who's still alive, and he taunts Lara with her father's pocket watch, and, you know, that time he spent in uh the in the nam uh he got shot down over hanoi and and oh that's a different movie again uh and uh they she goes back to him and they he gets up as if he's like completely unharmed by this knife that was just like dead center below his neck kind of creepy uh and they point guns it's, at each other that's powell right yeah that's powell yeah yeah still alive yeah yeah they point you guns know, at each other you know why the the the, uh, he's not harmed by the knife. Why is that? Is it his body armor? Um, when Powell pulls the knife out, it's quite obvious to eagle-eyed viewers that it's a retractable blade. <laughs> and they didn't do a good job of oh. hiding the fact that it was a prop, the kind of which children can get from, like, dollar stores. That, e plastic. that explains everything. So it wasn't even in him, it was a retractable blade. I don't think that was a plot point. Um, it was more of a goof. So they, set, point, they point guns at each other, and then agree not to fight with guns, and they have some hand-to-hand -hand combat, like they do with most of these movies. Yeah. Uh, Lara For no beats reason, him up. just shoot him. Yep. 
Laura winds up beating him up and then grabs her father's watch and runs out of the temple as it collapses around her and she finds a group of sled dogs, which, okay. And she says, aha, like Laura does in the games. Right, right. But she, she says, aha. And I mean, granted, is that, she doesn't seem all that surprised. I would be surprised as fuck because I don't care how well trained sled dogs are. They've got, yeah, they, they, they still have, like, survival instincts. Yeah, they've got a will to live. And this shit's falling apart behind them, and they're just chilling. Like, they seem totally unperturbed by the collapsing cavern yeah. immediately Mind you, behind I them. mean, if you saw one of your own separated out into your component parts and then reassembled, <laughs> you probably wouldn't be bothered by anything else. <laughs> Uh, and, and that, and that's, but hell, if the dogs could still be there, it's equally feasible that she can hold on to their reins while they run off and ski solely on her shoe, <laughs> <laughs> which she does to escape the collapsing temple. It would have been so good if she'd have fallen and they just dragged her along. <laughs> By the time they get out, it's just, just a hand left. <laughs> Clutching it. At Croft Manor, Lara surprises Hilly by wearing uh, the white, dignified dress he'd tried to get her into earlier as she goes to visit her father's memorial again. And then afterwards, heading inside, Bryce snaps a picture of her in this dress, and his robot Simon comes out for another round of training as Hilly offers Lara her guns on a silver platter, and the credits roll. To some basement jacks. Yes, yes. Followed by U2's Elevation. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you would... See, that's the thing. When you... Because uh, I, I, I know that... I, I never know if you're going to stick around to see if there's post credit stuff or not. And I thought that you might, like, stop before we got to U2. And I might be the one to get to tell you that U2 was in this movie. Because I <laughs> knew... That, <laughs> I knew that would have pleased you and excite you. I was very pleased and excited. I um I remembered at the time. That's the weird thing. I I, uh, I skipped ahead in the credits just to see if there was anything. Didn't want to sit through all of where's your head at. Um, and then scrolled Elevation back so you could listen to all of Elevation. I didn't. I because it was a it was a Tomb Raider mix. So I'm I'm yeah. much much bigger fan of the uh, the the original track. Um. But yeah, it was funny because that was one of the few things I knew about the film at the time was that U2's Elevation was in it. And I don't even know why because I wasn't really a big fan of U2 at the time. I'm, I'm not really a big fan of U2 now. Like, I like some of their music. Yeah. I, liked, well, I, I did like Elevation, though, and I still remember a bit of the music video. But is it even in the movie if it's really just over the credits? I, that's the weird thing. They made a big deal of it being part of the movie soundtrack at the time. Yeah. Because I heard about it, and I wasn't very, like, I wasn't into popular culture very much at that period. So it was weird that that's one of the, like, that was a strong fact I knew. Like, they promoted that quite heavily. I'm not sure for whose benefit, whether it was for <laughs> U2s or the movies. I really don't, I don't know who... One in that, and I'm not saying that to insult either one. I just the question is, did anyone know. win? Yeah, that's it. Anyway, that's Tomb Raider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Risky long gap to leave in an audio format. So, Conrad, did you like Tomb Raider or not? It was inoffensive. Yeah. Like, it's. It, it doesn't make any sense at all. Like, no, no, no. You, you no. have to ab- abandon any any pretense of of uh, realism. It's it's a summer blockbustery run around and shoot things movie, and it's yeah. fine for that. There are a few moments. Uh, where I think the writing's kind of clever, where, you know, when given a... She doesn't... There isn't even that much dialogue in this. Not really. But when given a line that's supposed to be clever or witty, it's performed in a way that is as it seemed to have been intended. Well, I mean, all the actors were... Yeah, everybody in it's good. Everybody in it is is an experienced, talented performer. Angelina, of course, um, is, is... Angelina Jolie, you got Daniel Craig, you've got I think his name's Ian Glenn, the the Jorah. I think you're guy. right. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of experienced, talented people. Not not like a lot of the ones we look at. So, from a performance standpoint, like all of it was going to be delivered well. And they yeah, well, and they did their jobs professionally. There's no there's no Kingsleys in the bunch. Uh, no, there's not. There's well, nothing... I don't think this movie was ever intended to be that sort of film. Like, again, remembering at the time... No, I think YouTube they were making a genuine effort, and, yeah. Yeah, they wanted this to be a big franchise. This was they, supposed they... to be, I think, the next Indiana Jones. It was Indiana Jones for a new generation, for the video yeah. gaming generation. They I mean, wanted... it was it was heavily right. promoted. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think... I, it, it's, it was more successful in that than, say, Prince of Persia has been. Yeah. Uh, I, I I agree. I think that was just as with Prince of Persia, it was intended to be a, a, a big deal franchise. This was also, and they did get that sequel, which I mm-hmm. can't remember if I've seen. But and I'm it became pretty... a high profile role for Angelina Jolie. Like she was, it became one of the roles she was well known for. Yeah. Oddly enough, you know, that we were talking at the beginning about like how a big star at the time like her would be in a film like this. It's we forget that now in, a, in some Jolie ways it defines Raider, her. Yeah. 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 You're right. Yeah. Like it was a definitive role for her regardless of whether you like the film or not. It was a, uh, yeah. Big part of her career at the, the time. Personally, so, I did not get into this film at all. No, it's not. It's, it's very, there's nothing to latch on to or get excited yeah. about. I mean, I don't even mind films with very little plot and just a lot of action, but yeah. even the action was a bit, it's just, just a bit too middle of the road. Yep. So, like, when I mentioned how I was tabbed out for most of it, honestly, I, I was doing other work at the same time. This, this movie... I didn't miss anything. This movie... It's, it's like they watched Indiana Jones and they watched The Matrix. And they yeah. said, okay, we mm-hmm. need all of these things together. Let's get all of this shit in All here. of the stuff. Um, and, you know, so we can have a little... You know, we have the archaeologist stuff, we can have robots, we can have uh, a little bit of mysticism, uh, a lot of wire-based fighting, but it doesn't have the CG 
anywhere near where it needs to be to be like the Matrix. Yeah. You know, to pull off that kind of level of excitement in its combat. And the the wire sections are, eh, they're all right. She's not super impressive in combat at any time. Uh, no. It, there's, it's not style. And may, maybe there's something to be said for it being a little more grounded. But we've seen so many sort of extravagant, crazy gunfights in films, certainly by this yeah. point. That was the problem. It's like whether or not they were trying to be more grounded or whether they had just spent all the money on the talent as opposed to the effects, which isn't a... If you're going to put the money somewhere, I would personally would rather you go put it on the talent. Yeah. But then, of course, you need a good script and stuff to back it up so you're not relying on show pieces and set pieces and spectacle. Uh, and that's the problem is they, they put the money in the right place for a good film, but then made the wrong film for their budget ad- allocation. Uh, yeah. So they wanted this, they filled it with attempted spectacle that just came off as fairly mundane. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, they, they had these sort of big sets with the, you know, the two temples that are explored, but... Yeah, the, the actual background, like the backdrop and everything was done mm-hmm. like, nicely. They, you know, they went on location in Cambodia. Yeah. Um, in, in a rather historic fashion, it turns out, you know, three decades since they, you know, the uh, last film ever did. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they, 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 it's clear they gave a shit about this one. This was not churned out. This wasn't uh, as cynical as most video game movies. It was just not very it would good. Have been, it would have been more entertaining if it was cynical and cheap, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's one of those ones where they put in just enough effort to stop being bad, but it didn't get the distance into good, or even personally, particularly watchable. Uh, it's not It's not even a long film. It's not like it drags on for two hours like that no. other one. We, I forget which one it was that was on way too long. Need for um, Speed? Need for Speed. Oh, fucking hell. Um, ten minutes is too long for that one. But this one was... like it, It's not that long. It's a it's, uh, hundred minutes or so. Yep. Um, but even then, halfway through, I'm like, I want this done. There, there's a, there's like half an hour's worth of content in this film. Well, I mean, there's there's this sort of hokey legend thing that you kind of get the sense because they, you know, lay out the alignment of the planets stuff early on uh, in a sort of casual fashion. You get the ideas like, oh man, they're never going to actually explain this. Like, this is just it's such a MacGuffin, and yeah, yeah. There's, it's, it's not riveting. It's really just kind of mediocre, which, at least it's not bad. Um, but I don't care about any of it at all. It's disposable. I hope the, I hope the next one, I, I think, which I, again, I think I've seen the second one too. I just can't remember it. And that doesn't. Doesn't bode particularly well either. No. Uh, Daniel Craig came back. <laughs> maybe that's what he'll do now. Maybe maybe now that he's going to be free of Bond, he can come back and do uh, yeah. do the third Tomb Raider. <laughs> <laughs> can only hope. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm, no, done. I'm, I'm done talking about this. It's, it's not... It, it doesn't merit much more discussion. It's fine. It's... Got a great cast. I'm I'm 
I'm I'm okay with it, the fact that it was made. I think Angelina Jolie's actually pretty good. Like it's a it's a decent characterization of Lara Croft. Yeah. Her well accent portrayed. Is possible. Her accent. Yeah. Her accent's not great. It 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 struggles when she is next to all of the British people. Um, but if she was in a film where, you know, every everyone else was predominantly American, then it would have she'd have gotten away with it a bit better. It, yeah. It's because she has so many scenes with Chris Barry and Ian Glenn and and. Leslie Phillips and like there's so many British accents that uh, it kind of shows hers up a bit. But otherwise, I mean, she 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 fakes it all right. Yeah, she has. Well, she looks the part. She moves the part. Yeah. Um, she drops UPS packages on the floor like a part. Yeah. The uh, like a part. <laughs> I don't know. But... Like a boss or like yeah. a lady, like a petty thug, like a lord. Does she drop it like a lord? I don't even know what we're saying now. What do lords do? Nothing. I didn't think so. paid huge amounts for it. Smashed a state. (laughs) Alright, so Jim, what are we doing next time? Seeing as we're both seemingly done with this. Yeah, I'm so done with this. God, it's been like since seven in the morning I've been talking about fucking... Talking about thinking about writing about Tomb Raider. Um, Right, the next one is... uh, This represents, like Wreck-It Ralph, this represents a, a shift from the usual video game to movie license thing. This one is a movie it's similar to Wreck-It Ralph. It, it is, its premise is rooted in video games, but the movie itself is original. And we will be looking at The Last Starfighter. Yeah. And I I've am been, actually quite excited about this one. From the moment that we uh, decided that, you know, we could expand it out to do things that weren't based strictly on existing game license stuff... Um, this and Tron are the two, like, those are the reasons to do it as far as I was concerned. Yeah. So really looking forward to Last Starfighter in two weeks. Two weeks from now is the next Movie Boys where we will be talking about The Last Starfighter. Um, If you are one of those who, because it's quite evenly split between people who don't watch the movies and listen to this and people who do. Or, um, you know, some who watch it in preparation or some who just tune in if it's very even basically so if you are someone who wants to watch it maybe you haven't before uh, it is available on amazon video for rent or watching um or you know means that i can't be seen to condone but either way get hold of a copy um if you want to be primed you got two weeks like the last starfighter it's about a boy who's good at games then that's that's us done, isn't it? I should end it, shouldn't I? Yeah. I should end it, yeah, shouldn't I? It I knew I should, but I'd said the last sentence and then thought it would be, I needed you to buffer mm-hmm, in between. Mm-hmm. I needed another voice. And that's what this has done. And that's now we can do it. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Um, if you still are now, I mean, wow. Because uh, we've just devolved into bollocks for the past 10 minutes. And, but, and thank uh, you so much for, for uh, tuning in to all our new listeners who, who arrived oh, yeah. here. Specifically yeah, yes. for our Tomb Raider episode. I mean, it's going to way outdo the Mortal Kombat listens we got. <laughs> that, that's for sure. So thank you all, all the new ones for joining us and all, all you veteran movie boy <laughs> listeners. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you to Conrad for joining me. Uh, you can see more of Conrad. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at Conrad Zimmerman. Uh, all one word. You can see him on YouTube, Conrad Zimmerman. It's his YouTube channel. Plus, we also do a, uh, another podcast together, an improvised comedy podcast, Fist Shark Marketing. Fist 
Shark Marketing, and you can see that at fistshark.com. You should come up with it. a name that was easier to, that was like, like you could tell immediately how it was spelled mm. by. It looked great in text. It sure did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We forget that podcasts are audio mediums. Um, but anyway, <laughs> thank you all. As always, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.